for the evening talk is living in a free way. <coughs> Just before uh, coming here, I was at my home and I was engaged in the annual ritual, as I'm sure many of you are as well, of filing in one's uh, income tax returns. And this is something which I and no doubt others do like to put off to the last possible minute until the final threatening letter comes in. And I had uh, reached that point with the local income tax department. And while filling in the, the forms and making the usual allowances, single parents, telephone, petrol, um, stationery, etc., etc. The income tax people um, ask, if that's the right word, demand is probably more appropriate, that I um, uh, detail to them what I do and where I go, and they like some proof of this. And that means that each year I am obliged to um, add up the number of retreats that I have given because they want to dip into the donation bowl as much as I do. And in, <laughs> and in adding up the number of retreats uh, um, over the uh, years, I did a, a, a count up, which I haven't done for seven or eight uh, years, and it worked out that the number of treats ranging, that is, between seven and uh, 30 days that I have given over the years is, is about 240. And when I th thought a li little bit about this, I almost just with the numbers I could begin to feel tired. <laughs> and a number of friends have uh, said to me uh, uh, over the years, as others, and you may have well said to yourself and, and others, don't you ever get tired of what you are doing, don't you? In my case, don't you get, people say to me, don't you get tired of listening yet again to people's stories of their wandering minds and their, their, their knee pains and the person coughing next to them and all these other things that go on and make up the highlights of the retreat. <laughs> <laughs> And <laughs> having, um, hearing this and in uh, these conversations which one finds oneself having, I can truthfully and uh, honestly say that there isn't any sense or feeling in that regard of weight from the past. I think sometimes when we are involved in situations in our daily life in which there is a... Uh, thread to that, with real continu continu continuity to that, it's very, very easily occurs, and very understandable, that as it were, bit by bit, gradually but gradually, slowly but surely, something begins to linger. Something, some kind of residue begins to stick, as it were, with consciousness, and when we find ourselves in the situation which is familiar to us, the weight appears. 
and the oh no, not again mind, or whatever form it may express itself. So sometimes we need to wonder with ourselves, what is it if we are carrying from the past which becomes a weight for us in some way or other in relationship to our present activities? And can we live in a free way? Therefore, a way without weight to it. What would that mean for us? Of course, sometimes it's quite necessary, vital to look into the, the, the patterns, of the features, the characteristics of the past. But also, as I was mentioning in the talk yesterday evening, also the present matters. And the present matters in the way that we view the present in terms of ourselves and others who we are with. And when you notice uh, possibly issues in your life, in our life, which are occurring, how many of those issues do in fact involve another person or persons? How much when we think of things which are weighing upon us in some way or other, there is a direct connection with somebody else or other people. And so thus we sometimes feel weighted by that. And I think sometimes to use a fairly classical uh, example of um, feeling much lighter, uh, one which must come to mind perhaps in a very obvious one, is those of you who, who are or who have been and if you haven't been, then you perhaps have been to the cinema to watch Richard Gere. And that is the feeling of being in love. <laughs> I'm not, perhaps I shouldn't mention Richard Gere there. <laughs> anyway, so there, there is a state of feeling there. And that the feeling is a, a quality of love. And that quality of love seems to be such that it brings with us a certain lightness and spaciousness, and that there doesn't seem to be any weight. And with that one feels, as love does perhaps more than any other human element in life, brings to us the feeling of being alive. And thus sometimes we have featured that, we've characterized that, and have made very important for us the feeling of being in love because it brings out of us this sense of being alive. And how easily, in the form of relationships and in the form of time, the being free in that way, the being in love in that way, seems to easily become mechanicalized, habitualized. And somehow, what was no longer is. And the weight begins to come in, the dissatisfactions begin to come in, and we don't feel the freedom. We don't feel what it is to be living in a free way, because something has occurred. So if we look at those areas in our life, and we address those, perhaps one very 
um, vital area is the way that we relate to the roles that we have in life. If there is heaviness in life, if they're heavy about a situation, heavy about a personal circumstance or whatever, it must reflect itself in some way or other through the role. Whether it's the work role or the relationship uh, role or the meditator's role or the spiritual role or whatever the role. Where there is issue in life, issue and role will be working there as a kind of marriage which is going on together. And then that's the role, the image, the idea of who I am and what I am is built up and we build the picture of ourselves, we form the picture of ourselves and the role, we become heavy with roles in life. Heavy with roles. And some things that we forget about this identification with any kind of role is that not only does it need the support of our own self to make the role, our own investment to make the role that we have, but it also needs and requires the affirmation, the support and the background, really, of other people to make the sense of who I am in my role. And if we look at our life, therefore, our looking at our life seems to be one of going in and out of roles. I think we can be free from the whole lot of it. I think one can live a role-less life in a life without a role there, and without a role there's no opportunity for weight or heaviness. So what happens with, with, what happens with the role? We take the role in personal relationship because sometimes it's those areas where consciousness and another consciousness rub together with a fire which makes other things quite light in, regard, in relationship to it. And sometimes one sees that there is the role there and through the role of being in the relationship it brings up tremendous amount of movement, hope, expectation, investment, ident identity through that and the wish for the other person or persons to fulfill the needs that go with the role. Why is it that nobody is able to do it for us? Why is it? Why is it that then there's the being in the role, being in the position, the movement that goes with it, we take the position with the wish and the hope that someone else is going to provide us with, all, with it all, with all that we need. Let's take examples, very, very common examples. Sometimes in, the, in relationship, because thoughts arise in, re in retreats about, re about re relationship and uh, show itself in numerous ways, 
one person in, in the form of relationship says their need is for more space. The other person says my need is for more closeness, more connection, more commitment. One has one need, the other has the other need. They're like ships passing in the night. It's called a relationship. <laughs> Both very strongly identify with the need. Both take the respective need very, very seriously. Both feel equally misunderstood about their respective needs. Both say they love each other. Both say they care each for each other, but there's a difference of need. And that difference of need easily sends itself on a collision course. The ships don't pass in the night, they collide in the night. And then one says, I'm diving overboard, I don't want this any longer. And this, this need with space, need for more greater closeness and all the conf confusion of that, where's the change going to be in all of this? Because at some point, one or other, or both, will feel that a situation like that is unmanageable, unworkable, unsatisfactory, and thus the situation gains a heaviness to it, and one will have to will say at some point in all of that, enough is enough, I am opting out of this. Both believe in their feelings, both have their needs, both have their views, both are trying to hear what the other person is saying, but not hearing what the other person is saying. There's as much similarity in the process of what's taking place as there is a gap and dissimilarity, and yet somewhere amidst all, uh, all of that, neither feels free within the situation, neither feels to be living a free life within the context of the relationship. Who is going to make the change? Who is going to be able to hear the other person? So when we're speaking of role, and speaking in the position of role, we're speaking in a way which somehow needs to embrace the duality of self and other. It's as though if we go on living just of self, just of me, just of I, what I need exclusively, we become unbearable. People don't want to live with us. And we get described and defined as being too needy, either in one way, wanting more communication, more contact, more of this, more of that, or too needy for space, too needy to be away from, too needy to be alone. So if we're in that such a situation at this time and at this point in our life, where are we listening? Are we just listening to ourselves, 
Are we just listening to the other? Are we listening wholly? Are we listening totally? And perhaps somewhere in lightness, in not being defined by our role, perhaps there's some light in all of that that we can listen more fully. Another activity in our life, in role, which goes on, which I think brings sometimes a, a weariness to us. One of the words the Buddha has used, one becomes weary in life through, as it were, being overshadowed by the past, by the accumulation of things. One of the things with roles, and we have, or supposed to have, our roles in life, is that in the activity of the role, and in the involvement with the role, we use the role to affirm oneself. The role becomes a means for self-affirmation, for the boosting of one's ego to feel and to think one is somebody through the role. Where is this role? Where is it? Even right now, as this person, Christopher, sits up here and talks, where, 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 is, where is this role? What is it? Sitting cross-legged? Well, you're doing that. Saying some words? Well, you can say some words as well. Looking around? Well, you can look around as well. Where, where, where is it? Do I walk in with a sign hanging around my neck? Here he comes. Teacher. So with, with the label, this case, teacher, whatever the, the, the function might be, how easily this gets used to build oneself up. In order for that to actually take place, I would have to need your cooperation to do that. I'd have to be looking for some affirmations from you, in a way which then confirms me in my role. I put myself into the, my role, then I can be somebody. And I say every time that you and I do that, we add a little bit more weight to our identity, a little bit more weight to our role, and that weight is a burden in life. And it hinders communication, it hinders relating, it hinders being with, and therefore it hinders love. So in the, the teachings, let me just quote uh, the, the, the Buddha for a moment. He uses a lovely concept, a lovely word. Words aren't really lovely, but you know what I mean. And the word he uses is akinchana. And this is a Pali word, this is the language which he is uh, said to have spoken. And kinchana means something or someone. And we give much 
time, of course, to the endeavor, the wish to be something, to be someone. And we can sometimes try to make circumstances happen and in a way conspire, manipulate, coerce, in all sorts of gross and subtle ways to be somebody, make ourselves something. And the Buddha says, he gives the teachings of Akinchana. Akinchana means not being something, not being somebody. <coughs> and not being somebody, not being something, means that the role itself has no meaning except a word for communication. There's no meaning. It is not to be found anywhere in this universal role any more than a country can be found in this world other than a line in the mind because it doesn't exist on the earth. So how are we in our so-called roles in life? Have we made something of them? Have we put ourself into the role and use that as our focus in living? And aren't you tired of it? Aren't you weary of doing that day in, day out, year in and year out? Sometimes we stop and we look at this role conspiracy. And we have some doubt about it. We have some doubt about the whole notion of being something and being somebody in this world. And then it becomes a little bit scary and frightening for us because we've put so much time into getting into the role that we want, we've had a temporary blip of contentment in it. Then has come the ongoing struggle afterwards, the self-doubt, can I do this role properly? Can I be in this role properly? Can I, should I continue in this role properly? What do other people think of me in this in this role, am I ready for this role, or wha whatever it might be. All this, the self, wraps itself up in with the, r with the role. And we say, but if I free myself from the role, if I live a free life and I don't have a role, who will I be? Where will I be? And sometimes that's the scary thing. The role isn't for the role, the role is to keep away from experiencing the scariness of not having a role and not having an identity. And we spend our life steering ourselves away from not something, not somebody. And these teachings are about discovering the sweetness of it, the relief of it, the grace of it, the beauty of it, the liberation of it.
One of the nice things about uh, retreats, there are probably not so many nice things about them, but there are a few. <laughs> Sometimes the greatest relief experience on the retreat is the end of it, but anyway. <laughs> is, as somebody pointed out today in a small group, one of the delights of being here is that one isn't engaged in the role. In this case, the person's a psychotherapist. And there's that role fulfilling itself and, as it were, working itself through, and as many of you in, in the particular roles that you uh, have in your life. And one of the attractions of being in a situation like this is that there is, in real terms, practical terms, the opportunity to put aside the role. That it has no relevance, it has no meaning here. But it's been put aside, I get the right word, in absentia of. It's been put aside because the person or persons who help to give you your role who you need for your role, are not here. Well, sometimes they are here, and one wishes they weren't, but there's something else. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's an in absentia of the role. And one feels the delight of that, there's a relief of that, and one is glad to be away from. But can we go deeper than that? that we leave the role behind, not the function, not the activity, not the purposefulness, but we leave the role, the identity, the self which goes with it. We leave it not only behind now, but we leave it behind utterly once and for all that we never go back to the role. And therefore it's just for word purposes. And someone says, oh, what do you do? You just say whatever whatever you say, and there's not a trace inside of oneself of being in that. Just for communication, just for talking, it's a little bit helpful for CVs or whatever. But inwardly, deep down, one has left the role behind and one is genuinely touching, deeply touching upon not being somebody, not being something, not having, not being, sorry, not being lost in the idea of image and role and identity because one has looked at all of that and one says, I can't find it anywhere. I can't locate where that is in body, in speech or in thought. So in our silences here, one of the delightful things about that is that very few people in the hall know anything really about anybody else here. One has little knowledge of their, their roles, their functions, their identities, who they are and what others do here. It's a rather unfamiliar world and it's unusual for people to spend several days together and in the s spending several days together in such close proximity, on bulk, just imagine it, on bulk, from one <laughs> section to another, throughout the day, and leave and knowing less about the person than when one started. 
<laughs> because most of what one finds out is pure projection anyway, and one doesn't know if it's accurate or inaccurate. So there's something rather beautifully, in the silence of things, anonymous in the situation. And so sometimes some of you will experience in the anonymity of it all certain kind of needs arising. And for some who are unfamiliar to the situation, you'll be wondering, God, there's such a stiff lot in here. Right? There's no communication, there's no warmth, everybody's so cold, distant, miserable. <laughs> you know, they ought to rename the street Unpleasant Street, it's such a... <laughs> And all of these perceptions will arise. And then one has heard from past times of uh, teachers who have, have said not only no bodily uh, contact, no verbal contact, but also have said no eye contact as, as well. And I, I feel that that's going, incidentally, um, too far. There's enough discipline and austerity in the situation. But within the context, sometimes in the movement of feelings, one sees another person, warmth appears, feelings expressed through eye contact. And in all of that, one be watchful of the expectation, simply because one feels warm to another person, or friendly or kind to another person, that he or she will respond in light. That's asking too much. Person may not even have noticed. <laughs> <laughs> and if they notice, they may not even care. <laughs> Maybe somewhere else where you've never been. <laughs> so, again, sometimes in our freedom to be warm and our freedom to be kind and our freedom to be receptive to each other. Sometimes in that and in the, the kindness and the giving of that, momentary giving of that, can that giving be forgiving? For the giving. Just for the giving. No conditions to it. No demand. No opinion being formed about the response or other. Affirmative neutral, detached, or whatever. That the gesture in life has been made, the openness, the expression has been offered, and the offering itself of one human being to an another, that is the majesty of it. And that doesn't need, it doesn't need something from another to have that confirmed because the giving is its own confirmation of life, of sharedness, of humanity, of deep human goodness. And I think sometimes we forget this. And I say that we forget this especially when we are identified with the role. I say the role is a curse and not a friend. 
it blinds because the ego takes the role up and as I said before, the role needs another role to keep having it confirmed and it hinders affection, it hinders the giving because the role needs another role to keep it upright. So sometimes in the rhythm of our, of our day here when our usual identities have really have been put aside and we're genuinely not feeling to be anybody in this world, not feeling to be anybody special in this world and not feeling to be important to anybody in this world. Of course at times when, those, when it's like that it does feel disconcerting Human beings do, all of us, I and others, appreciate the affections and the warmth and the kindnesses from other people. But, can there be a freedom in life which appreciates those? And in that appreciation, but there's no need. They acknowledge, they recognize, they're touched, they're felt, but there's no need for them. And perhaps the opportunity to discover that can actually be in our non-role, in our very ordinariness. To be really ordinary. With our wandering mind, our leg pains, our knee pains, and our agitations, and our efforts, and our struggles, and our easygoingness, and all the things that make up our day. To really feel our ordinariness, perhaps for the first time in our life in some cases, to be genuinely not something, to be genuinely nobody special and to really appreciate it, to love that feeling of not being anybody special in the, on earth. I think one of the things which quite spontaneously comes out of that is <coughs> that we tend to notice a lot more about life. See, I think when we think our role is important <coughs> in life to ourselves and to other, other people and all the weight that goes along with and the sense of responsibility, that's another weight we have to discharge, that when, all, when we living like that, in a way it's like our eyes and our ears and our sensory world, as it were, gets pulled in. It seems to get restricted down into the roles. And we find ourselves thinking about our roles and talking about our roles and uh, going on about our roles. And, and it's as though that when we made that much of our roles, Somehow or other, the role is like having coloured glasses. And life, its vastness and its mystery and the inexplicable nature of it, that remains hidden from us. Because we're carrying around the role as though it had an existence. As though it was something, and not something ego-manufactured. So I say travelling lightly, being a free hu human being, 
genuinely expands our receptivities to the to the ordinary, to the evening, to the, the quietness of things, to the lovely colours in the nature here on a, a summer's evening, to the to the simple delicacies of life. And how could any 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 role be so important that it obscures and hides all of that? How could anything in life be be given such magnitude, such centrality of place, that we are prepared to deny the, the wonder of life for it? So I, so I say in our time here, let's be nobody. Let's not be anybody important and special. Let's not get caught up in trying to impress others here and ourselves. Let's, let's have a, a rather effortless humility in our activities here, just quietly being interested in life, being interested in sitting on the earth and walking on the earth and, and just noticing what is taking place and just participating in the, the fullness of all of, all of this. <coughs> I think that's the, the, the ground for much insight and much discovery. And the sense of that is very, it's a, it's a light sense. And that lightness can be found in the various functions and activities and, and roles that we have, but let's first realize no role, no identity, not being somebody. Let's get that so clear, so clear to ourselves, so obvious, so sane and intelligent, then the rest will flower easily. And so when the teachings have have, as they have done, have spoken for centuries about liberation, about living in an enlightened way, about genuine freedom which knows no measure. You'll be able to say to yourself, I understand exactly what that means. I understand what that experience is as a day-to-day -day event. I understand the truth of everything that the Buddhas have said, past, present and future. It's so abundantly clear and obvious and one's heart knows it. And it's very accessible to us. May all beings see into life. May all beings see into the nature of things. May all beings live in a free way. Let's have our two or three minute quiet period together, shall we please?
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.